Yeah. Did Mark, did, yeah. <laughs> I got an extra coat. You want my coat? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's uh, let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day, and uh, thank you that we can call you Father, not in a uh, formal sense, but in a sense of personal relationship. A sense, Lord, that we can know that you hear us, and that. And, uh, Father, it, it is for this reason that we pray, because you are the one and only that can transform our lives. Thank you for saving our souls. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you would grant to us today, according to riches and glory, that we would be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit, that you would give us wisdom and insight, clarity of thought, that you would so work in our inner man that um, Jesus Christ would eye and lift it up. We pray, Father, that you would help us understand the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ. As we just take a quick glimpse of your love for us, we pray that this would instill in our souls desire you would fan that flame in us to know you more, specifically to know your love us more. We pray, Lord, that we build with this fullness love and joy and can pray these things in Jesus. And um, so I kind of giggled, you know, this week, you know, as I was beginning to study so when we, Mark, Dave, and I, you know, began to sort of figure out what this outline curriculum would look like over time, you know, of course the you know intimacy with God was the major stilling our hearts and knowing that He's sort of that springboard verse. You know, you know, moving forward into this module, stilling our hearts for intimacy with God. Um, you know, part of part of getting out of the the dungeon of despair of anxiety, of worry, of hopelessness, is, is looking into his word and believing it. Part of that includes knowing and understanding the attributes of God. So we looked at uh, you know power of God. We looked at efficiency of God. One of these attributes is the love of God. I, I say I, I chuckled a little bit because, uh, and this, um, this analogy really doesn't hold much compared to the love of God, but it's like asking someone to write a paper on World War II. By the way, be, be really comprehensive. Like, write a paper on World War II. I mean, where do you even start? Where do you... It's like it, it would take a lifetime, probably more than a lifetime, to write about World War II. So, you know, I giggle to say, let's behold the love of God today. This, frankly, is... Um, it, it's... Tinder. You, you guys know what Tinder is. Red grass. It's really light stuff that you you place in a strategic location, if you will, to help light a fire. That's what this is. This is sort of Tinder to get us, you know, as it relates to... Um, so, um, thinking about the love of God has certainly a huge application to everyone. Here, it has a huge application to us personally. Um, and, and I say that from experience because I grew up 
in a uh, Catholic faith, and um, I I had this this awe um, of God. I, I I had this sort of sense of the power of God and His awesomeness, and so I had a fear of God, um, and and so I think that's akin to a lot of folks. You know, period. People, I think it's a little bit easier to um, to 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 know the power of God. Very different sense to to know the love of God. And I had that, you know, for 28 years where I had this idea of God's power and His majesty, and I had this real fear of Him, but I did not believe in my heart that God loved me personally, that I could experience this love of God personally. And it frustrated me a great deal because... I, I, I knew John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him. I, 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 I understood what that meant grammatically, but it was frustrating to me because it just wasn't, it wasn't personally appropriated in my life. And um, there, there was a very, what I would call a, a very important time in, in God drawing me to himself when I was in Houston. Uh, and I'm not sure if I shared this part of my testimony with, with you here before, but I was at a convention, and I decided to leave this convention and walk to my hotel room, it's 72 degrees, and as I was walking back to my hotel room, I noticed that there was a homeless person sort of laying, half laying, you know, in the gutter and up against a building, and as I got closer, I noticed that it was a female, old woman, an old African-American woman, and I... That was startling to me. I, I you know, grew, up, grew up in the northwest side of Chicago. You go downtown and you would see people homeless, right? Um, and occasionally you would see a female, but mostly it was males. Uh, but what was th- th- so that startled me first of all, and uh, I, I just went to walk by her. And of course, I believe the Holy Spirit stopped me because I was convicted, and I turned around, took my wallet out, and just sort of waved a couple dollars as I was standing there, and she could not reach her hand up to take the money, so I bent down and gave her the money. She just said, thank you. So I walked away, and I was overwhelmed with this, this hopelessness that I had. And I was, I was thinking to myself, I can't, I can't tell you exactly that this is what I was thinking, but I, when I think of the love of God, and it was so impersonal to me, and I'm thinking, here's this needy person on the street, and I know God knows that this person is in need. What's going on? And it was just, it, it, I don't want to say it shattered my heart, but it certainly broke me to a point where I just went back to my hotel room and I wept. And it was, that was unnerving because I didn't really like to cry. And so, so I'm, 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 I'm sitting, standing, doing whatever in my hotel room, crying, weeping. It wasn't just like, oh, you know, snickering or, you know, got a few tears rolling. I was weeping and I could not figure it out. But, it had to do with this hopelessness that I had because I knew that the Bible said God loves us, but I didn't experience that love. So, obviously, um, I got saved. I wouldn't be here if I didn't get saved. But I remember during that time, was crying out to God. Not some elaborate prayer, but simple. Like, Lord, if you're real, will you show yourself to me? That's what I remember specifically asking God a number of times, like two or three times. And you know, he answered that prayer. Because when I got home, I started listening to Christian radio stations for the wrong reason, 
the reason I was listening to Christian radio stations was was because I thought it was it was uh, pious. It was righteous of me to be listening to these things, and it was good. Well, God had a completely different plan. My arrogance and pride, and as I began listening to more and more Christian radio stations, he obviously I was hearing the truth. And coming home after playing basketball one night, and I heard the gospel. I can't tell you who preached it. I'm sure I heard it a number of times listening. I just I didn't get it till that time when God says, "You're mine," and um, I got saved. That that's when I began to experience the love of God, not generally, but His revelation to me. So. This is, this is where we're at today. We're, we're in this room today to really talk about um, the, the love of God and more than just this just for all people, right? He brings the rain. He brings the sun. And everybody experiences that love, really. This is, this is, the, uh, this is the eternal. This is, this is what the Greek word says is agape. This is agape love. This is not, this is not the, uh, the filial, the family, the brotherly love. That, uh, that human beings in general can give to one another, how that a child has. Not the, the eros, this is not the, the sensual type of love that we're talking about. This is agape love. This is a divine love. This is a selfless love. This is, this is from him. And it, it, is, it is remarkable. So we asked the question... Um, and, and by the way, just to kind of tie this back to stilling our souls, nobody can have a quiet or a still soul apart from knowing the soul. And so uh, we, we, we look at this, this tiny little glimpse here of, of what, is, uh, what is this agape love? What is the essence of agape love? So there's a question on the board. Love me. And I, I would just, I, I would like to hear from you. Do you love me? If God is asking you that question, what would your response be? I would love to hear you share that. With God, we're standing here, here, here in the flesh, and asked you, do you? Yes. That's good, yeah. Oh my goodness. That is my favorite modern day. Um, uh, Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. Yes, it, most of us are have this um, available to you. He talks about the questioning of Peter of me. And he says that uh, Peter declares nothing now. Whereas before, Peter said, you know, I will go with you till death. And yeah, you, yeah this is, uh, of course, before uh, he, he uh, Christ and um, I, the truth. What he did was, that that's, that's a, Critical failure that we have, what God says about us. God said about Peter before he denied him that you will deny me three times. God said you would do. So Oswald Chambers says, Peter, now, as Jesus asked him, Do you love me? declares nothing. Silent. Um, he goes on to say, Unless we get hurt right out of every deception about ourselves, the Word of God is not having its way with us. The Word of God hurts as no sin can ever hurt, because sin blunts feeling. The question of the Lord intensifies feeling until, until to be hurt by Jesus is the most exquisite hurt conceivable. It hurts not only in the natural way, but in the profound personal way. The word of the Lord pieces 
excuse me, pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. There is no deception left. There is no possibility of being sentimental with the Lord's question. You cannot say nice things when the Lord speaks directly to you. The hurt is too terrific. It is such a hurt that it stings every other concern out of, out of account. There never can be any mistake about the hurt of the Lord's word when it comes to his child. This is, this is a wonderful truth. But the point of the hurt is the great point of revelation. And so, uh, about this question, do you love me? It is, the more you learn about God through his word, his love be evident to you personally. Or he increases. And um, that's uh, it's an interesting question. And everybody that answered had a very similar response. For the most part, basically says, yes, Lord, you know. But, you know, the vastness of your perfect love and my attempting some. I think there's a lot of churches and a lot of people. God, as that high power up there, relate differences one-on-one relationship. That's when you really, that's when you're starting a relationship. Yeah, and, and of course, um, you know, that conduit is through, Yes. So the essence of love, this agape love of God, um, is, is that God eternally gives of himself to others for their, their highest good. So the giving of God's love benefits others. In other words, it's sacrificial. That's one element of the essence of this, this love of God. Um, God's nature expressed in the attribute of love shows that his nature is to bring about blessing and good for others. So it's not just sacrificial, it's, it's benevolent. It is, uh, it is divine, right? First John chapter 4. Maybe you can turn there. First John chapter 4 verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So... God is love. This love is a divine love. Um, this love has its origin, obviously, in God. If it is a divine love, it says it right here. Love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God. In other words, love of God, the love of God is born or divinely enabled in a believer. Divinely enabled. A different kind of love. This is not, again... Um, the, the, the typical love that you would see have that is un- can love family. They can love their children. They can love other folks. This is not the kind of love we're talking about. We're talking about this divine love, this agape love. And then uh, you guys can stay here. But in uh, John chapter 17, another characteristic here of this divine love, John chapter 17, verse uh, 24, it says... Uh, Christ speaking, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me uh, be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given to me for you love me before the foundation of the world. So this is uh, a love that is eternal. This is an everlasting love. And so because agape love comes from God, it is eternal in its nature. So that's uh, sort of a very quick survey of the essence of this love of God or love from God. So what is the extent um, of God's love? 
Ephesians, uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 3, verse 19. Ephesians chapter 3, verse uh, 19. Somebody read that. So the Apostle Paul is, is praying here. Um, notes there in the first page at the very top, I just typed out a devotional prayer. And all that is is simply chapter 3, verses 14 through 19, personalized. That's it. That's what Paul is doing here. He's praying. And part of his prayer for the Ephesian believers is that they would know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. They would experience this love from God that, that goes beyond uh, all of our comprehension. So this, the extent of God's love is, is infinite. Um, it, 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 its reach and its influence, is, it can reach anybody anywhere. Very good. Um, so when you talk about the extent of God's love, I mean, what, what verse comes? And I'm not looking for a specific verse. Reaching out to, to some of the verses that come to mind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. crazy. Yes. Yes. That, you know, when you begin to think about that, uh, that, that short verse, he wept. This is the God of the universe who condescended this earth. Heart was to weep many things, but what else? Anyone else have any verses? Any? Excellent verses, yeah. Some verses. So, a uh, couple of statements that uh, we can surmise, if you will, principally that uh, you know God's love surpasses knowledge; it is infinite. Um, you and I cannot do anything that will cause Him to love you. Nothing we can do to cause God to love us more. It's the next statement: <laughs> You and I cannot do anything that will cause cause Him to love you less. Right? That's both are true. We, we, you know, we need to sort of muse on that principle. There is nothing really that we can do to make him love us more. I'll go back to this salvation analogy that I was giving before this this Houston experience. I, my wife was saved, and she would tell me, "You, you know, Sam, you need to know the Lord." And I didn't kind of get that, and I would actually go to this local church that was right across the street from me. It was an, uh, it was an unbelieving church. There were nice people there and came and, and did good things, you know, and, and there was somebody there to speak. I wouldn't call it preach, but speak about the things around God. I remember going one Sunday and thinking in my heart, and this gets back to there's nothing more God loves you. I, th- I thought to myself, I'm going to listen so intently to this message that I would not sin anymore. Literally thought that I could. I walked out, and I'm as I'm walking home across the street. I'm I'm just musing all the facts that he stated, and the whatever about God, and thought, okay, just stay focused on this, and you'll be fine. You you won't sin anymore. I really thought that, and of course I know. Probably an hour later, maybe less than that, maybe five minutes later, you know, would have messed up. That frustrated me beyond comprehension because I thought that I had to do more. It wasn't about the me doing part. It was simply faith, Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little slow following the principle of how God is a result of work. Amen. By the way, just a little interesting. You know um, the word workmanship? Do you know what that word that word comes from, the root word? Give it away. Um, it comes from the Greek word poema. 
Where do we get, what, what word do we get, what English word do we get? We are, we're his poem. It's a beautiful um, analogy there. But thanks, Anne, for sharing that. Yeah, we, we cannot do anything that will cause God to love us more. We can't do anything that will cause God to love us less. That should, that should take our hearts and our souls and settle it down. Uh, those, are, those are great truths. Um, we read already Romans 8, 38, 39. So, so we talked a little bit about the essence of, of, of God's love, a little bit about the extent of God's love. Um, and by the way, when you talk about God's love being infinite in terms of its reach and its influence, we, we most of the time think of you know, this realm, the human realm, but, but God's love extends to the angelic realm as well. God's love is, is longed to be, wisdom is longed to be looked into. By the angels, it, it is a it is a remarkable gazing that the angel is love being worked out um, in creation. That's First um, Peter one twelve, and um, and of course, uh, you know, if we love God, right, this the devil and flees from us. So there's uh, this this love of God is not just you know this warm peace. It it has effect, if you will, angelic realm as well, significant. So uh, what is the effect of God's love? So we talked about the essence, the extent, and talk a little bit about the effect of God's love. Um, go to uh, 1 John uh, chapter 4 again, and we'll begin reading here, um, 7. Um, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love, excuse me, by this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation of sins. So, really, the effect of God's love, in part, is that the love of God paid the price um, of God's wrath. I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, have heard this this one, and that means to appease something. What 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 was the appeasing? God, um, there, there there is uh, God's wrath on us because of our sin. That that propitiation, if you could take a sort of an Old Testament picture of this. You have the, um, the tabernacle, okay? The outer court of the tabernacle. Then you have uh, the inner court of the tabernacle. Then you have the holy place, okay? There's the bread. There's the lighting of the hills. Uh, fence, okay? The curtain. Inside the curtain, what did they call that? Holy of Holies. And what was in the Holy of Holies? The yeah. <laughs> the yeah. <laughs> the ark. Okay. Very good. And, and so, um, what was uh, significant about uh, the, the ark was that there were specific elements in that ark, right? What were the other? Uh? Okay? Staff. Correct. Yes. All right. And then, um, uh, on the top of that ark, uh, something occurred once a year. What, so, there was the, the, the blood that was put on top of that. That's... That was called what? What was the this? Mercy seat. Okay, that's the mercy seat. Okay, 
And that is the place, if you will, where atonement took place, okay? This is for the Old Testament. So this propitiation, if you will, is the the New Testament, if you will, atonement. This is where that was appeased. Christ, um, not on the ark, but on the cross, okay? Took our sins in his body, okay? Took Took the punishment, took all of the wrath of God upon himself. Your sins, my sins, and their world sins. From time sin began till the time it will be took at all. God's wrath. And so that's what this 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 incredible price was paid. Um, so that is God's love um, taking uh, the penalty and the punishment of our sins, um, removing our sin, storing us so that so that we could love him back. So he created us to have a relationship with us so that he could love us and we So this this restoration um, is is for um, one purpose so that we could love and worship him back. Uh, Romans chapter five verse eight says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. And we, you know, I, I'm glad you brought that up because he first loved us. When I asked this question of myself, that was the very first verse that came. Because I thought, if God ever stood before me and says, why do you love me? I would. The only thing I could say is, because you love me. It's the, it's the, I, do you love me? I love you because you love me. I have nothing else. I have nothing else. No ground to stand on other than the fact that you... You loved me. You took everything for me. You restored me so that I could love you. I mean, right? I mean, I have nothing else to give. There's, there's absolutely nothing else I bring other than some humility to uh, Galatians uh, 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself up for me. You know, I even have a hard time sitting, standing, whatever, uh, talking to you about this without just getting incredibly emotional. It's just like it is. Again, this is just tinder. This is we're just kind of dipping in. I'm not trying to be a Forrest Gump. You know, life is a box of chocolates kind of thing. Um, to be reverent, but. All we're doing is just dipping in here and taking in the Word of God and letting it stir our hearts, that flame that God wants. Um, in John chapter 14, this, this whole idea of the effect of God's love uh, spurred uh, over and over again. If you love me, we'll keep my command. That's verse 15. Verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Okay? Remember here, what's connected here? God's love is connected to what? His word. It is, it is, it is inextricably connected to his word. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Keeping of God's love is the key, say it, other way. 
chapter 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So, So how is it that God's love is toward us and abides in us and that we're abiding in it? And his commands are not grievous. We love God as, as we ought. Keeping his word, it's a lovely, it's a lovely thing. In verse 14, chapter, uh, of chapter 15, if you are, excuse me, you are my friends if you do what I command. So, um, so the, um, the effect of God's love is, uh, is absolutely remarkable. It is, uh, redemptive. Gracious, it is forgiving. It is, it is in His Word. Take a step back here, you know, thinking on these lovely thoughts of God toward us. Talk about we think about stilling our hearts for intimacy with God, and we talk about you know what drives us down, what drives us away from God. Thoughts of unbelief us to anxiety that drive us to worry that drive us to all these points of noise that are generated in our soul it's thoughts of unbelief how do we get back out of that it is it is simply the discipline and the reading and the musing and the memorizing and leaving of God's who he is and and what he's like it is it is it is simple it's not complicated our sinful nature um drives the complexity not 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 God's word to us so we have uh uh, what other effects of God's love do we have here? Um, God's love enables us to uh, to love others. Read that also in First John chapter four, verses uh, eleven, verse eleven and twelve. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. So um, we know that um, God's love enables us to love others. Verse 20 and 21, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. This commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. There are several others. Uh, Matthew Chapter 22, verses 37 39. Can somebody read that? Very good. Yeah, so God's love enables us to love others. And it's not just um, loving God. It's not just loving our neighbors. Hear the word neighbors. You know, we, we care to love, right? Right? <laughs> what, what, what else? What else does God's love enable us to do? Yes. Love our enemies. Yes, and pray for those who persecute us. So... Um, uh, that's that's remarkable power. First John uh, two fifteen says, "Do not love the world nor the things in the world. Loves the world. The love of the Father is not in him." So uh, I get back to the fact. Get back to the fact that uh, this is because he loved God. His source, caretaker of that love. If we would in His Word, all of our mind, heart, soul, and strength. So we also know that uh, you know the. Uh, the effect of God's love includes uh, discipline, right? Uh, Amazingly, Scripture speaks of God's discipline as a form of His love. He, for the purpose of restoration, again, so that we can love Him back, right? 
so that he can love us and rejoice over us more. Does everybody kind of get that? I mean, God loves us. He desires us to love him. He disciplines us so that we could love him better, right? And he loves us more in return. It's, uh, it is this perpetual, this eternal, this, the depth and breadth we cannot know fully. But it, it, is, uh, it is a remarkable divine love. It's, um, uh, turn to the Old Testament, Zephaniah chapter 3. Well, this is going to test us, man. Of course, it's not going to test those who uh, have electronic version of the Bible, right? But those of us who got the real deal, <laughs> okay, <laughs> right, are, are being right. That's right. We hey, we got a table of contents in our paper one too. So, so this is. Um, this is God's heart. This is his love toward his people. Um, talks about the future blessings, okay, for this nation, um, Israel. Talks about in verse 11, beginning in verse 11, chapter 3. In that day you will feel no shame. And I'm not going to read this verbatim here. He will remove from them their pride. It's verse 11. I, but I will leave among you a humble and lowly that they would take refuge in the name of the Lord. This remnant of Israel will do no wrong and tell no lies. They'll have no enemies, verse 13, verse 14. Shout for joy, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O Israel. Rejoice. They'll be rejoicing, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away his judgments against you, his discipline. He's cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in you will fear disaster no more. Verse 16, In that day it will be said to Jerusalem, Do not be afraid, O Zion. Do not let your hands fall limp. Verse 17, this is remarkable. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exalt over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. This is God doing this. And, uh, and so... This is this is God's love toward us, uh, um, a restored person, a restored people. Um, he takes great delight when there's restoration and has great joy um, in in that whole process of restoring us. His love is quiet. He will rejoice over you with with not a quiet and the shouts, wine mouth of God. That's uh, that's remarkable. And, and um, what does this, you know, what does this love look like? What does it not look like? What does it look like? And um, Deborah and I, you know, studying we, Hosea, you know, we we uh, not been in Hosea in a while, and uh, we were in chapter six in Hosea, and uh, when you take a look at the first three verses in Hosea, it's uh, it's a I'm going to use the word in quotes. It's a prayer, okay. I'm going to read you that prayer. I want you to tell me the heart of the people, okay, the person who's praying it. Come, let us return to the Lord. For he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. He will revive us after two days. He will raise us up on the third day that we may live before him. So let us know, let us press on to know the Lord 
His going forth is as certain as the dawn, and he will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain, watering the earth. Sounds like a fine prayer, doesn't it? Sounds like an earnest prayer, doesn't it? If you look at the context, um, what God says about them is that in the following verse, that their loyalty to him is like a morning cloud and like the dew which goes away early. In other words, those are just simply words. That was really not where their heart was. So this, uh, this idea of restoration is, is more than just saying the right things, okay, and doing, if you will, the right things. Because God says a little bit further on, for I delight in loyalty, okay, depending on the, um, uh, the version you have, it could be loving kindness, it could be mercy. Um, for I delight in loyalty rather than what? Sacrifice. And in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So what's he saying here? So when you take a look at their prayer, take a look at what God said about them, you know, in other words, a morning cloud, dew, what does that, what, what that tell you about? It's all temporary, right? Yes, temporary. Yeah, right. Good. That's good. You, we, we, you know, we, we were, in the, were in the minor prophets, okay? So there's, there's a lot of judgment going on, okay? Because of the nation of Israel falling away. And we, you know, this is Hosea's before here, here is Zephaniah. So we read Zephaniah. And what were some of the characteristics of this shout of joy that God gave for the nation Israel? The characteristics included what? Their pride was what? Taken away, right? They were humble, right? That's what Deborah's talking about here. There is this genuine humility that, that is for God that in essence says, God, what, what, whatever your will is, not my will, but yours be done. It's really the epitome of, of our heart. Uh, so um, we have, you know, what it is not. It's not just words and religious doings, right? Because he says here, listen, I would rather have your, your loyal love, right, for me, which is what that word is. It's called loyal love or loving kindness, um, rather than your sacrifices, which are just religious exercises, right? And, you know, we've all been there. We've, we've done our religious exercises before God, certainly because we have to, not because we want to. God is saying, I, I want your loyalty. I want your loyal, loving kindness, your covenant love. And I, I want you um, to know me rather than just to do these, these things that look good, sound good. So the love of God uh, disciplines us. Um, and I mentioned this earlier, we, we have a fatal tendency um, to ignore or deny what the Word of God says about us. That's in our sinful nature, and we need to be really calm. We need to quit. Uh, I didn't realize it was that late. I'm sorry about that. So, um, Deborah, can I ask you? Amen.